Hey, and welcome back into the College Age Movement Podcast. We are in week two of a two-part series called The Light, and it's a Christmas series, and we're talking about two specific groups of people. The first one that we talked about last week were the Magi, or which we've probably grown up in the church traditionally thinking of as the three wise men. But we talked about their willingness to appreciate the journey. They were willing to step into something that they knew was going to take time and that we should be people who are also willing to do the same thing, that whether it's a relationship or a situation that we know is probably going to take time, that it isn't going to be instant gratification or that it isn't going to be an instant solution, we should still be people who press into the things that God is asking us to do, even if they take time even if they take time. We also talked about how they presented their best gifts to Jesus because of the fact that they knew whom it was that they were presenting them to. They gave their best because they knew that it was going to a king and that we should be people who give everything that we can at all times to Jesus because he is our king. This week, we're going to be talking about another group of people that were told about the birth of Christ the shepherds. And uh, contextually, it's really important that we understand who the shepherds were. And we see uh, just the, the first verse, which doesn't seem like very like awe-inspiring in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, but, but I want to read it and then we'll, we'll jump in. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. See, historically, shepherds were at the bottom of society. They were usually made up of individuals that had zero education and were thought to be incapable of doing anything else. Throughout scripture, we see that Jesus uses, actually uses shepherds as a key figure in his ministry. We talk about King David who, who slayed Goliath. He was a shepherd. We, do, we talk about the fact that Jesus himself is called the good shepherd. So from the birth of Jesus all the way through his life on earth, Jesus is communicating a really clear message, and that is this, is that Jesus came for all people. Jesus came for all people. Throughout history, and even today, there are two really dangerous lines of thought that have become a little bit too prevalent. The first one would be this, is that Jesus came for people like us. I'm not talking about all people. I'm talking about specifically thinking that Jesus came for people that are just like us. There are groups and organizations that have decided that they are chosen and others are not. It's actually an exclusion of other people when they say what they're saying, when they take it from the standpoint that they're taking of. The way that they act has qualified them or the way that they speak or the way that they follow rules, the way that they worship, Or even some really dangerous thought of saying like, well, my skin color qualifies me for the love of Jesus, but your skin color doesn't. I think we can all see the danger in that. It's very obvious. And it has been displayed throughout history with with organizations like the KKK and others. And on a less violent level and sometimes unspoken level, in some religious systems today, we see Jesus came for our group, not for your group. That's really dangerous. And I think that it's really important that we understand when we live in a world where there's hundreds of different denominations and thought processes and all different things, if Jesus is at the core of everything that we're doing, we need not to say, well, Jesus came for us in the way that we do things, not for you in the way that you do things. It's absolutely vital that we do not live in a mentality that Jesus came for people, just just people like us. And secondly, and what, what can sometimes maybe be as dangerous, if not more dangerous, is this thought 
that that Jesus came for people like them. Jesus came for people like them. You see, because of our own awareness and of our of our own depravity, and many of us have looked at the lives of other people, and then we start to say these things and say, okay, well, they deserve Jesus, but I don't deserve Jesus. If Jesus only knew what I have done, what I have gone through, what I've done to other people, he wouldn't come for somebody like me. He only comes for other people. There's so many people in our lives, and maybe you're listening to this today, and you have the thought that Jesus came for the put-together ones, the ones that that never question, the ones that never have a little bit of skepticism, but he didn't he didn't come just for the put-together ones. He came for for the sinners. Because every single one of us are a sinner. He came for the skeptics because every one of us at some point in our life have been a little bit skeptical about our walk with Jesus. We haven't fully questioned everything about it, but there are there are moments where we're like, I mean, I just don't understand that. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit of a skeptic in this. You see, Jesus came to communicate to us, to have conversations with us. He wants people to ask questions. And, and you need to know that there's not a single person listening to this. There's not a single person at College Age Movement. There's not a single person at Faith Chapel in the world that isn't a sinner, that hasn't done something that would make them unworthy of a perfect God. Every single one of us have. Jesus didn't just come for people like them. Jesus came for all people. You see, we are all chosen. Every man, every woman, every child is now chosen. That is what the Christmas story is all about, that Jesus came to earth, made himself a man so that he could communicate to each and every one of us, hey, I came for you. So the truth that we should lean into this is this. Jesus came for a person like me. Every single one of us can say that confidently. He is a big enough God. He is a great enough God to come for each and every one of us on a perfectly personal level. I'm sitting in my office as I record this, and I have a sign on my wall that says, He died not for man, but for each man. If each man had been the only man made, he would have done no less. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis, and it's so important that we understand that Jesus would have come even if there was just one person to come for. That's how much he loves us. The story goes on to say this, Luke chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, for all people. So the next point is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Probably a completely valid response from the shepherds though, right? Not exactly what they were expecting for their night. But then the angel of the Lord says, do not be afraid. I bring good news. And then says, what I'm about to tell you is going to bring joy, joy to all people, all people. There it is. There's that, that reassurance that this is for all people. There are a couple of statements that I'd like to look at when it comes to this idea of not being afraid. And then I want to ask a couple questions as well. The first one being this, do not be afraid when Jesus shows up. Do not be afraid when Jesus shows up. He's not looking to spite you. He is trying to communicate his love for you. I don't know where the shepherds were at the at their uh, faith journey that night. I don't know where they were in their walk with Jesus or with God. But I'm sure that they weren't all in the same place. Some might have been nervous. Some might have been excited. Some might have been downright afraid of the judgment of God. But Jesus wanted to communicate that 
he is the good news, the good news for all people, no matter where they were when they encountered the story or the message of Jesus, the announcement that Jesus is who he said he was. The message meant was meant to tell us of the forgiveness and the grace of God. I think that there's so often we're fearful when Jesus shows up because we think that the only reason that he'd want to have a conversation with us is to tell us all the different things that we're doing wrong. But that's our own humanity that wants to remind us of our depravity. Jesus wants to remind us of how much we are loved. We want, our humanity naturally wants us to point out the negatives, and Jesus wants to draw out all of the positives. But this is what's important. This wasn't just for some shepherds on a hillside. It was for all people. And the angel was about to tell them what they were going to find. In verses 11 through 16, it says this. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So the first question that I want to ask is, are we in a hurry to find what Jesus has promised? I love that it says that they heard the message and then they said, let's go. And then they hurried off. So are we in a hurry to find what Jesus has promised? If I'm being honest with myself, more times than not, I am pretty lackadaisical in my pursuit of Jesus. I tend to take it as it comes instead of running to it. Sometimes the most spiritual parts of my day are when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see a quote by Craig Rochelle or Bob Goff or somebody else. I'm like, mm, that's so good. I feel like I've been filled up. And that's true. In that moment I have, but I need to go and look for it. I need to pursue it. I need to be in a hurry to find what Jesus has promised. I don't want to be somebody who expects what Jesus has for me to fall in our laps. And too often, we do. We become people who expect what Jesus has for us just to be placed in front of us. And we're not willing to go and find it, to put in the effort, to have an expectancy to go and find Jesus, to have a great anticipation of what it is that Jesus has promised to us. You see, the shepherds were promised something. They said, you're going to find this. You're going to find Jesus, a baby lying in a manger with his mom and dad, and he is the savior of the world for all people. And they were so excited and they had so much anticipation. But that is the same message that has been told to you and I. Go and find Jesus. He is your savior. He is your Messiah. Because this is the thing. What they found was everything. They found Jesus. They found the Messiah, the savior of the world. Just a baby now, but a promise fulfilled. And they were so excited to go go and find what it was that was promised to them. And this was the fulfillment of that promise. So are we in a hurry to find what Jesus has promised to us? Secondly, are we in a hurry to do what Jesus has asked? Are we in a hurry to do what Jesus has asked? Are we going to, to quote unquote, get around to it? Or are we actually going to do it when Jesus asks us to do it? You see, God sent this angel and said, go to Bethlehem. And find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they did. They went. They went. There was no hesitation. They said, let's go. And they hurried off. So are we in a hurry to do what Jesus asked? A story that comes to mind is when I was in high school, I was a junior in high school. I was in a choir. 
and uh, there's a freshman in our choir, and he he was a little bit odd. Uh, he sat in the corner. He didn't really love talking to people, and uh, I felt an impression. He was a freshman when I was a junior, and I I felt an impression for the Lord to say, hey, you need to go talk to him. You need to just just go have a conversation with him. It doesn't have to be crazy spiritual. Just give give him a friend, talk to him, and if the opportunity presents itself, talk talk about Jesus. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I remember going to school, and I remember seeing him sitting sitting in the corner with his hood up, and uh, I couldn't do it. I, I chickened out. And for a year and a half, I felt like I was supposed to have a conversation with him, but I never did. And I would I would have like small pleasantries. Hey, how are you doing today, Seth? You doing well? And um, it just it just never turned into meaningful conversation because of my own hesitation to do what Jesus had asked me to do. And then about 16 months later, a friend of mine who loved Jesus too, it was our senior year, Seth was now a sophomore, and uh, my buddy's like, man, I feel like the Lord's asking me to go have a conversation with Seth and to invite him to church this weekend. Do you want to walk over there with me? And it it took somebody else uh, to give me the courage to, to do it, and I wasn't even the one who did it. I just stood next to him as he invited Seth to church, and Seth said yes, and we went to church together. We had a really good time, and afterwards, I said, Seth, how did you like it? And he said, man, I loved it. Like that's, I really, really needed it. The only thing that I wish is that somebody would have invited me sooner. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yes, yes, somebody should have invited you sooner, and that somebody should have been me. I was not in a hurry to do what Jesus had asked me to do in that moment. And I want to be a person. I think we want to be people who are quick to act when Jesus asks us to do something. This isn't a mid-level marketing scheme. We're not trying to sell people anything. We're trying to introduce people to the Savior of the world, to tell them that they are loved, to tell them that they are accepted, to tell them that they are forgiven. We're not trying to sell them anything. Jesus doesn't need to be sold. Jesus just needs to be introduced to people in a way that would allow them to open up their heart to having a conversation with him. So let's be people who are in a hurry to do what Jesus has asked us to do. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 2 says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. So the next do not be afraid statement is this. Do not be afraid to tell everyone about it. Do not be afraid to tell everyone about it. The shepherds spread the word. They weren't about to hold this close to the vest. They saw the Messiah. They saw the Savior of the world. That wasn't news that they were going to keep to themselves. That was news that they wanted everyone to hear about. And we're called to do the same. But too often, we don't even speak about our faith in Jesus. It doesn't even become a priority in our conversations. It doesn't have to be the first thing that we say to somebody, but it should be one of the things that we say to somebody. As we are describing our lives, if we are telling somebody what we're all about, let it not just be how many kids we have or if we're dating or what kind of job we have, but how important Jesus is to our everyday life. And I think of a lot of the reason that we don't tell people about Jesus is because it's a little bit fear-driven, what if they don't understand? What if they question me? What if they blow me off? What if they tell me that I'm nuts for believing in something that I can't tangibly see? But what if they are just waiting for somebody to talk to them about Jesus? What if they've been on the fence about their relationship with Jesus for a long time and they just needed somebody to step in lovingly and encourage them towards praying? What if... They just needed somebody to come alongside them and tell them how much they are loved by both them and by God. 
Do not be afraid. This is good news. This is good news for all people. There's a Gallup poll recently that said 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend church if a friend, coworker, neighbor, or family member invites them. And then it says this. It says, perhaps we need to pause on this response. Perhaps we need to restate it. More than 8 out of 10 of the unchurched say they would come to church if they weren't invited. But here's the bad part. Only 2% of church members actually invite somebody to church. 82% of people would come if they were invited by somebody that they know and trust. But only 2% of us invite somebody to church. That's eye-opening. That That's staggering stuff. But at the same time, that's good news, right? That means that 82% of the people that you are afraid to talk to about Jesus, that I am afraid to talk to about Jesus, probably wouldn't mind having a conversation about Jesus. If 82% of people would have the courage to step into a building that maybe they have a bad history with, how many more would be willing to sit down over a cup of coffee in a coffee shop and just talk about Jesus? If 82% would have the courage to walk through a building, I bet the number would be higher about people who would be willing to just have a simple conversation about something that could change their eternities. We need to be people who are in a hurry to do what Jesus has asked us to do, and Jesus has asked us to go and tell people about him. The last verse we're going to look at today is Luke chapter 2, verse 18. And it says this, All who heard it, all who heard it, this message that the shepherds brought, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All of the people that heard it were amazed at what Jesus was doing. All of them were amazed at the story that the shepherds had brought. So the last question that I want to ask today is this, what are we willing to do to bring the amazing message of Jesus to people? What are we willing to do? Where would we go to make sure that people knew about Jesus? What would we give up to make sure that people knew about Jesus? Would we give up our comfort? Would we give up our time? Would we give up our money, our finances, our resources? Would we be willing to give something up that somebody's eternity would be secured because we were willing to do what Jesus asked us to do? The shepherds heard an announcement, they were asked to do something, and they hurried off and then spread the message of what they had seen. So what, you, what have you seen? If, you, if you've experienced Jesus, what, what has happened in your life? How has he changed you? Tell people about that. And if you haven't had a relationship with Jesus, if you're, you're spiritually unresolved and you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, keep having that conversation. Step in. Be excited. Be in a hurry to have a conversation with Jesus today. I promise that you will not regret it. It will change your life forever. It will be the single greatest decision that you have ever made. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. We are done until January, but if you are in Billings, please come check out College Age Movement next Tuesday night, the 17th. We have a Christmas party. We have a couple weeks off, and then we'll be back January 7th. So if you're in Billings, come hang out, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. We'll be back in January. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.